I don't know how to work that. <laughs> it doesn't move. <laughs> Good. I'm just going to look real awkward then. <laughs> Hello. Take a seat. I'm so sorry. You're all so polite. I would have sat down by now. Um, <laughs> thank you, band. If you can't tell, I'm a confident person, but I'm, I am so nervous right now. So I'm actually going to do, first I'm going to pray because you know that'll help. Let's just do that and then I'll talk a bit more. Father God, I just thank you so much for tonight. I pray that these are not my words, but yours, and that you use these to touch the hearts of everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. So to start off, I figured I'm just going to break the ice and do something real stupid um, just to get, you know, my nerves out. Um, as you could tell, I am wearing activewear. Yes, I am very aware that this is not normal attire, nor what you wear to preach on stage. However, it is needed so that I don't embarrass myself and rip my pants. So tonight, I'm going to try and get my point across to you, but to do that, I'm going to do it in a bit of a quirky way. So I have invited a friend who is in jeans, by the way. <sighs> not fair. Tells me to wear activewear and then turns up in jeans. So I would like you to borrow to come up here with me. This is not practice at all. <laughs> I saw him doing a little bit of it beforehand. So I tried to practice maybe a little bit. Um, failed epically, so please get your camera phones ready. Um, get ready to maybe hashtag go plumpy. Um, so let's just do this and let's just embarrass myself a little bit, hey? You can just start with telling me what we're going to do. Okay. So uh, Kelsey's asked me to do a few things that I like to do and she's going to try and copy. So the first thing I thought we'd try and do is, is what uh, is called a pistol squat. Who here knows what a pistol squat is? So it's kind of like a one-legged squat. So I'm going to demonstrate and then Kelsey can give it a go. Here we go. Come on, everyone cheer up. Yeah, warm, warm up on a two-legged. That's good. You need to warm up. Yep. Nice. Nice. Stick one. Yeah. You, you can choose. Yeah, but forward's generally the way to go. <laughs> oh. Very good. Uh, again. All right. We're going to try again. The getting down is good. <laughs> uh, you ready for number two or you want to keep trying? Number two. All right, so number two uh, is a handstand walk, which is pretty obvious. So we're just going to get easier as we go along. Uh, so I'm going to show you how to do it. You got this. 
Come on, she needs a bit more help from the crowd. Nailed it. Uh, my last one we actually need a wall for. So uh, we might go over here where there's no babies on this side. So you'll have to kind of look over here. Um, so this one is like a handstand walk, but instead we're doing handstand push-ups uh, up against the wall. All right, give Kelsey a hand. Here she goes. So close. That was good. You got to commit all the way, all the way, all the way. Hey! All right, push up, push up. Uh. Hey, I give that like an 8 out of 10. That was good. I want to give Kelsey a hand. I don't know about you, but I'm puffed. My calves are so sore. What, wait, that's not even my calf. What is that? This is so sore. Surprisingly, the one thingy squat hurt this leg. How's that happen? All right, just give me a second. I'm going to catch my breath. I have to admit, <laughs> it was really exciting that I touched that wall. <sighs> I haven't hung upside down since I was like three. <sighs> okay. So, now that I've got your all your attention, um, there was actually something important I was trying to get across to you through that. I am not designed or called to be Judah. There is absolutely no way that I'm called to do what he's supposed to do. I could train really hard for a really long time and possibly get good, if not better. Um, <laughs> challenge accepted. Um, but I'm not called to be a buff, fit male who could potentially lift two weights above their head, two weights of their own body, over their head. I'm not called to be that. There's no way. But what I am called is to be who I am, right here, right now, this exact place, this exact time, in the exact season of life that I'm meant to be in. But do you know what the best part about that is? So are all of you. Over the past few years or so, Ben and I have actually had a really awesome time being able to speak into a lot of our young people's lives at Mountains. But one thing that came, became so apparent to me through this journey is that we have an awful lot of young people who are looking for their calling to try and figure out, you know, who are they going to be for God? Um, they're trying to figure out what they have to do to follow God or to live in his calling. And I've also found that there are people who feel like that if they do something wrong, they may somehow miss the calling of God. But, so tonight, I'm going to bring a bit of an encouragement, but I'm also going to bring a lot of a challenge. So tonight, my message is called, 
simpleness in the greatness. Sorry, simpleness in the greater. And my first point is the simple truth about you. I know I've only got two, and that's not very Pentecostal of me, but I have two points, and they are going to be good, so strap yourselves in. Again, like Elijah said, I've actually been studying chaplaincy over the last year, and at each intensives, I go to five a year. One thing that they drill into you is the importance of self-care, because there is a ratio of about one to seven or one to eight in a pastoral care role, like a chaplain or a pastor or you know, worker of that sort, um, that burn out because they forget within the first few years. That's the important part. One in about eight burn out within the first few years. And it's because we forget about self-care and then forget about looking after ourselves. So through this course, they get you to do a thing twice called a wellness instrument. And so I've done this for the second time a few weeks ago and learnt something about myself and it's that um, I'm good at the ministry side of things like I attend church regularly I read my bible I pray I come to church events I like accountability I do ministry well because it's what I've been taught um, and it is drilled into me that this is what I do and then that is something that I'm instilling into my children this is what we do another thing is I'm really good at relational I love people. I'm a people person. As you could tell from that, I enjoy when people smile. I love when people are happy. Being with people brings me joy, so I'm good at making sure that my friends are okay and that I have good friends. It's another thing. But I am absolutely terrible at myself. Now, it sounds stupid, but they, one question was, do you set aside time for doing the things that only you enjoy? To be honest, I don't even know what I like to do by myself. I, uh, if I'm not with my people, then I'm with my husband or my children. And if I'm not with that, then I'm a little lost. And so I get to a point where I often question, actually, yeah, what is my individual calling for God? Do I have an individual calling for God? Or now that I'm married, is it like, you know, family on mission and that's my only mission? Like, I just don't... Yeah, I can totally understand where my young people are coming from. Of, you know, what is my calling? What am I meant to do? What am I meant to, like, what am I meant to do for you, God? So I remembered back to that tool and I was like, oh, hang on a second. I'm actually good at the ministry part. So you know what? I'll just ask God. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I got this. My, do you know? Would you want to know what the simple truth about me is, or what my calling is? I am here to love God and to love others. It is simply that I am here to love God and to love others as Christ has loved me. In one John four, verse seven to eight, it says, "Those who are loved by God, let His love continually pour from you to one another." Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and has experienced an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. And a bit further down uh, in verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to lo love one another. And even a li little bit further down from that in verse 19, 
We love because he first loved us. I very quickly realized that my calling was to love people because God has loved me. The crazy part of this is we overcomplicate it, but this isn't just my calling. It's also yours. We believe, we're starting to believe that there's this time where God will just come and give this almighty intervention where we have to drop everything and start doing or walking in this calling of God. And you know what? That might be your story. But for the majority of us, God meets us where we are and uses us where we are at in our current circumstance. The simple truth is that you are enough because God loves you. Wherever you are on your journey, you are enough. You don't have to earn God's love to be able to love others. You were born into God's love. So you just need to walk in that. The simple truth is that you are loved by God. Pastor Rick has this wonderful quote that sums this up. If you're a Christian for 2.2 seconds, then you are a minister of God. Do you know why? Here's the simple truth. You were born loved by God, and all through your journey, up until today, you have been loved by God. Now that you have found God's love, you are able to go and show God's love to others. It's as simple as that. How beautifully poetic is that, and how beautifully simple. More often than not, we feel like we have to have all of our ducks in a row before that we can go and live out our calling in God that we have to work ourselves out before we can reach others. To be brutally honest, if that were the case, none of us would be here right now. None of us. We wouldn't be here hearing about God's perfect love and how we are loved. We have to stop waiting for ourselves to reach perfection to be able to live out the calling from God. So take this as a massive weight off your chest. You don't. (laughs) You are called right now, wherever you are, to love God and to love others. My second point. I've kind of established that, you know, the truth about us is like we are to love God and to love others. But the question still remains of how do we do that? Psalm 139 says, this is verse 3 to 5, You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words that I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step that I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me. You spare me from the harm of my past, and with your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. A bit further down in 13 to 16, it says, You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate insides and my intricate outsides. You wove them together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about how thoroughly you know me. You even formed every bone in my body 
when you created me in that secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing into something. You saw who you created me to be before I even became me. Before I'd even seen the light of the day, the numbers of days you planned for me were already recorded in your books. And 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 31 says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives. Together, as a church, every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts that we don't, the parts that we see and the parts that we don't. If one part hurts, the other part is involved in that hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part does your part actually mean anything. With these two things, with these two verses, you can see in Psalm 139 that he knows who you are. He already knows who you are. He knows where you've been, he knows where you currently are, and he knows what you're going to do next. He allows you to make choices. He allows you the freedom to make your own choices, but he knows you. He knows what you're going through and he knows how to help and how to do you. The second part, we can see with these two chapters, one that we are called to do the same thing and function as one body, but we are not called to do it the same way. So you have a calling to love God and to love others, but how that looks is not the same for you as it is to me. We are the church. This is a church, but we are not called to bring people here to meet Jesus. We are called to be the church and take Jesus to them. Bob Goff is probably one of my favourite people to listen to. He's just ridiculous on stage and happy all the time and laughs at his own mistakes. And he's, he, read, he wrote a book called Everybody Always. If you haven't got that, get it. It's so good. But I, I'm not very good at articulating, but he is. And so he has summed up my heart in just one page ish I flip it but you know that's it's still one page and so I'm actually going to read that little bit to you today if I could get the band back up while I do this that would be amazing thank you I'm reading from chapter three and it's called love everybody always the quote underneath he has a quote underneath every chapter and it says love one another what is simple often isn't easy, but what is easy often doesn't last. He's a lawyer, so this is coming from his point of view. It was a lawyer like me who tried to set up Jesus. This lawyer asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. I think he was looking for a plan, but Jesus told him about his purpose instead. He said it was to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And then in the next breath, Jesus gave this lawyer some unsolicited but practical advice. Jesus told him he should love his neighbour just as he loved himself. Sometimes we see these two as separate ideas, 
But Jesus saw that loving God and loving our neighbours is one inseparable mandate. They were tied for first in Jesus' mind. I think Jesus said these things because we, if we couldn't love, we couldn't love God if we don't love people that he surrounds us with. Simply put, we, can't, we cannot stop waiting for a plan. Or sorry, we can stop waiting for the plan and just go and love everybody. There's no school to learn how to love your neighbour, just the house next door. No one expects us to love them flawlessly, but we can love them fearlessly, furiously and unreasonably. We're not supposed to love only our neighbours, but Jesus thought we should start with them. I bet he knew that if our love isn't going to work for the people who love close to us, then it's probably not going to work for the rest of the world. Jesus didn't say who our neighbours were either, probably so we wouldn't start making a list of those that we don't love. Each of us is surrounded every day by our neighbours. They are ahead of us, they are behind us, on each side of us. They're every place that we go. They're the grocery bag ladies. They're the attending city council meetings. They're holding cardboard signs on the street, um, street corners and raking leaves next door. They play high school football. They deliver mail. There are heroes. There are hookers. There are pastors. There are pilots. They live on the street and design our bridges. They go into seminars and they live in prisons. They govern us and they bother us. They're everywhere that we look. It's one thing that we all have in common. We are all somebody's neighbours and they are ours. This has God's simple yet brilliant master plan from the beginning. He made a whole world of neighbours. We call it earth, but God calls it a really big neighbourhood. So often, what keeps us from loving our neighbours is fear of what will happen if we do. Frankly, what scares me more is thinking about what happens if we don't. When people are looking for a plan, God often sends them a person. Wherever you are right now, I just want you to close your eyes and think. In my walk right now, who are my neighbours? It could be a work colleague, a family member, a friend, your actual neighbour, the Coles lady, your CEO friend, your Uber driver, people at the pub, your teammates homeless man on the end of the street. Maybe it's an addict who waves at you on your way to work. Maybe it's the person begging you for money on the side of the streets. Or maybe a member at your AA group. You can open up your eyes again. I cannot stress this more. You are enough. You are so loved and you are loved so beautifully so that you can go and love others. Wherever you are on your journey, you are surrounded by people who are longing to be loved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and your story and your uniqueness is designed to reach your neighbourhood. This is how together we reach our world. This is how God shows his love. This is how people find God, not by coming to church, but by us being the church and going to them. Holy Spirit is with you wherever you go. So don't be afraid to sit with someone in their mess. Remind them of their worth and remind them of who you are. 
I sit in schools watching little kids' lives fall apart before my eyes. As a chaplain, I get to stand there with them and love them. That is my only role. I had a little girl come up to me and say, are you a teacher? I said, no, sweetie, I'm not a teacher. And her friend, who I'd only just met, piped up and she looked to me and she goes, no, she's not a teacher, she's my friend and she cares about us. I didn't have to do anything other than love that little girl because that is where God had taken me in my journey. These two simple truths of knowing who you are and walking in that is how you find the simpleness within the greater. I encourage you tonight, church, wherever you are in your walk with God, he loves you and is with you. But I also challenge you, are you waiting for your perfection or are you knowing who you are and loving where you're needed? I cannot go where you can. But together, we can meet people where they are at and show God's love. If we remember these two simple things, just imagine what our world could look like. Our world needs its worth back. Our world needs to know they are loved. What we are doing isn't working, so we need to step up and step out. I know that this might be a hard word, but I know it's something I also needed to hear for myself. You are enough right here, right now. Wherever you are in your walk with God, I can't go there, but you can. You are loved just as you are right here and right now. So go into your world and tell your neighbour. Tonight I have asked Ethan and Ella to sing a song. And I just want this to just speak to your spirit. So if you could stand right now, I want to create this atmosphere of just pure worship to God. Maybe tonight you've forgotten the simple truth that you are loved. Maybe tonight you need reminding that you are loved. Is God's word enough to tell you that you are loved? Wherever you are on your journey, God is with you. And you need to show love. So tonight, I want you to close your eyes, feel God's presence, and just let these words speak to your spirit. <laughs>